Hello and welcome to the 21st episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, alongside Tony Pauline. And after taking almost an entire week off for the first time in what feels like forever, we're back to break down what we expect to see in Monday's college football playoff national championship game between, who else, Alabama and Clemson. Did you enjoy your time off, Tony? Well, I guess that depends on what your definition of time off is, because literally, literally since our last podcast, I've been doing nothing but watching a ton of film because I got to get all these reports in, trying to keep up with the underclassmen who have entered the draft, because it seems like underclassmen are entering the draft at a uh, neck breaking rate and, of course, getting rankings up, which we'll have real soon. So uh, I guess the, the focus was for me was just shifted from podcasts to other things. There really is no time off at this time of year especially, and it's only going to get worse. Absolutely, and, and the underclassmen are just going to keep coming out in droves. I'm pretty sure we set a new record for the amount of underclassmen declaring for the draft every single year. We'll set a new one next year, the year after. I don't know when it's going to stop. One year eventually it will, but when it happens, I'm really not sure. And we will talk about the underclassmen entering the draft, some of the no-brainers and some of the questionable, questionable decisions in an upcoming podcast. But uh, right now, we're going to preview the top NFL prospects, and what I believe is going to be one of the more anticipated national title games because this game is just rife with talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely, and and both teams are also coming into this game undefeated, which we don't see all the time in the college football playoff national championship. There were three undefeated teams in the playoff as a whole, which we never see. So it's interesting to get a team here that whoever loses this game, it's going to be their only loss of the season. Both teams are coming off double-digit victories. Clemson beat up on Notre Dame. Alabama beat up on Oklahoma. Um, The Oklahoma score looks a little closer than it is, but that game, you know, was a 20-point game early on. Oklahoma scored some points late to to make the score look all right. Neither game in the end was really ever in doubt. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne really ripped up the Irish. Tua Tagovailoa looks fully healthy against the Sooners, completed almost 90% of his passes. Unfortunately, none of those three players I just mentioned are even eligible for the 2019 draft. But this game does have plenty of stud prospects who are, as you alluded to before, suspended Dexter Lawrence won't be one of them. The Clemson defensive tackle who's going to miss his second straight game. Tony, can you give us a quick rundown of the guys you like the most in this one? Uh, And there are a ton of guys who I really like. And the interesting thing about this game from a scouting perspective is it's not just going to tell us about the 2019 draft. It's going to tell us about future drafts, as you you talked about, both the Clemson and Alabama quarterbacks who are projected as early picks aren't even draft eligible and one case won't be draft eligible till next year 2020 and in the case of Trevor Lawrence won't be draft eligible to 2021 but as far as you know the players who I like most I I mean there are at least three top 10 selections in this game and they're all on the defensive line you could say a fourth one who I'll get into obviously the first guy is Quentin Williams who I think is going to battle uh, to be the first player selected in the draft I expect him to enter the draft. The word is, is he's already lined up representation or he's got an agent in mind who he's going to sign with. He is a guy who has watched his draft stock really soar more than anyone else in the nation. He is a complete three down defensive lineman, a guy who just got more dominant as the season progressed. He beats opponents with athleticism, with quickness, with explosion. Uh, He shows power in his game. He stops the run. He can rush the passer, get behind the line of scrimmage, change direction and run down ball handlers in pursuit. He can occupy the gaps. And the thing is, he's got a great amount of upside potential. Then there's Cleland Ferrell, someone who I think people are sleeping on, sleeping on in the sense that I grade him as a top five 
out selection. Others think he's going to fall outside the top 10. But when I see Farrell, I see a guy who for three years has been nothing but dominant on the Clemson defensive line. There really haven't been too many bumps in his game, bumps in the road for Farrell. He's going to come in about six foot four, 255 pounds. I would expect him to run in the four sevens. He's, uh, his versatility is similar to Williams, but his is in the sense that you can line him up in the three-point stance. You can stand him up over tackle. He's a tremendous pass rusher with the ability to make plays in space. He's a solid run defender. Clemson really doesn't use him off the line of scrimmage too much, but he shows the ability to change direction and, and, and run down ball handlers in pursuit, uh, getting out to the flanks. A guy who I think right now could help solve the New York Jets pass rush problems at the top of the draft with the Jets owning that third selection. And then there's Christian Wilkins, a guy, someone who, a prospect who for the last two years was graded as one of the top prospects, if not the top prospect in the nation. Uh, When the grades came out prior to Wilkins' junior season, he was at the top of the board. He basically combines a lot of what Quentin Williams and Cleland Farrell had, uh, uh, the best of their games, but has got better size. 6'3 and a half, 314 pounds, an outstanding athlete, very explosive. Again, a three-down player when he's hitting on all cylinders. And the, for me, is he doesn't always seem to play hitting on all cylinders. I had a conversation with someone close to the Clemson, uh, Clemson program a year ago when the decision, when I broke the story that the three guys, Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell, and Christian Wilkins, would go back to Clemson. And they said the thing about uh, Wilkins is, talk about his versatility on the field. He's a well-rounded person off the field. My source down in Clemson said, if Christian Wilkins is not a dominant defensive lineman in the NFL, he could be the CEO of a big corporation. He's that type of person. So he's got a great amount of upside. Just as long as he makes football a priority, I think he's going to be a monster at the next level. The fourth guy who I also like, who I think is a fringe top 12 pick would be Raekwon Davis of Alabama, who plays next to Quentin Williams. Coming off a slightly disappointing season, but still the type of defensive lineman who can make plays when he needs to, also occupy the gaps and take up blockers. And most of those prospects you mentioned, obviously, are defensive players, all of them really. Most of the top prospects in this game are on the defensive side of the ball. But we do have several draft-eligible offensive players to watch as well. I'll start with Damian Harris, the Alabama running back. Uh, he's a powerful runner with a low center of gravity. He keeps his leg mo- legs moving, rarely goes down on first contact, always creating extra yardage, whether he's breaking tackles or just pushing the pile forward. He's the one delivering the blows to defenders rather than getting hit by defenders. But not only is he a powerful back, he's also quick in a short area. He has nice burst. He has great vision. He's a capable receiver. And he's really a guy that does have the ability to be a feature back at the next level, which is something that this draft class at the running back position kind of lacks. There's a lot of complimentary players, but there's not guys that you can look at and say, this guy has the chance to be, you know, a 17 to 20 touch player at the next level. Damian Harris has that kind of ability. Another runner from the Crimson Tide is Josh Jacobs. We have him graded lower than Harris. We have Harris on the first round fringe. We have Josh Jacobs as a fourth rounder. Uh, Jacobs is a guy who has really good speed once he gets going, shows the power to run over defenders at the second and third level. He'll also catch passes away from his body and is effective in the passing game. He's also good as a returner. He can make big plays. Most of his big plays, though, are bounced outside the tackle box. He's not quite as quick as Harris is in small spaces or as consistently powerful as a runner, but Even still, he's an intriguing late two, early day three guy 
The third prospect I want to look at here on the offensive side of the ball, also for the Crimson side, is Irv Smith, an athletic tight end who wins up the seam. He's effective on screens and dump-offs. His very impressive after-catch ability in the open field extends to make catches away from his frame. He is one of the top tight ends in this class, if he declares, probably a top 45 type of pick. Currently, as we stated on our last podcast, he's about 50-50 to declare for the draft. And there is one Clemson draft eligible player to talk about on the offensive side. Most of their guys, as we alluded to before, are future prospects at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. But Hunter Renfro is a guy who always comes through in big games and moments. So expect to see a lot of him in this game. Expect to see him perform well. He runs good routes from the slot. He's always open. Shows the ability to make tough catches in traffic. This year he's been overshadowed by some of those underclassmen like T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rogers, but he's a legitimate day three guy who can consistently win as a slot receiver at the next level. Now, other than those three guys, we have a couple offensive linemen that we discussed in our last podcast. The first one is Alabama's Jonah Williams, who will get some reps against Cleveland Farrell, who you mentioned earlier. He's a guy that you're a bit cool on. You think he's a day two guard. A lot of people think he's a top 10 tackle. So this will be a good test for him to see which side of the spectrum he may fall on there. We also have Ross Pierschbacher, who just accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. He's going to see some Albert Huggins on the inside, who's filling in for Dr. Lawrence and who is the guy that you feel is underrated moving towards the draft. Lastly, we also have Clemson's Mitch Hyatt, a player that you are more of a fan of than most analysts out there. Who do you think Hyatt will see the most of on the Alabama defensive line, and how do you think he'll fare along with some of these other guys? Yeah, I would expect him to be paired off against uh, Raekwon Davis at times. Alabama really doesn't uh, blitz their linebackers that much as Clemson usually does. So Hyatt, you know, Hyatt's not the prettiest offensive tackle. He's not a guy that's got great footwork. Uh, he's a lot like I, I Jonah Williams. Uh, and, and I mean, that's my issue with Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams, Hyatt like Jonah Williams, they're not great athletes. They're great football players. It doesn't mean that they won't succeed at the next level. It just means that they're not going to be early picks. That's why I have uh, Jonah Williams uh, ranked lower than most. Uh, And there's another reason which I'll get into. But both of these guys block with solid fundamentals. They both make great use of angles and body positioning to to, uh, keep their quarterbacks upright. They get the most of their ability. Jonah Williams, the question with him is, is he tall enough to play tackle at the next level? That remains to be seen because a lot of teams, you know, Isaiah Wynn last year when he was 6'2 and change was sort of the exception to the rule, but most teams want their tackle, especially their left tackle, to be 6'4 and a half, 6'5. I don't know that, that Jonah Williams is going to be that tall. My other, One of the other reasons I have Jonah Williams graded so low, and some people may, not, may feel that this is not fair, but you look at that Alabama uh, program. And you look at the offensive linemen that have come out of that Alabama uh, system, and a lot of them have not really lived up uh, to expectations. Uh, Cyrus Quanjo, uh, Chance Warmack, DJ Fluker. And it goes back to something we've talked about in the past. Uh, Nick Saban extracts every ounce of talent from these guys on the college field, especially in the offensive line, and they really don't come to the next level with great upside. So I, I, I have to factor that in. I wonder if Jonah Williams can play left tackle at the next level as opposed to being put inside the guard. He's not the greatest athlete, which I don't know you're going to be able to use him in his own blocking system, which is why I have him rated much lower than everybody else. Hyatt, I just love his fundamentals. Uh, he's been a consistent starter and a very good starter in a Clemson team, uh, a Clemson program that is constantly competing for a national title and has mobile quarterbacks. So he's basically on the island all by himself, which is why I, I really have him rated higher uh, than others. 
you know, you were talking about Damian Harris earlier. Let's go back to him real quick. The thing about Damian Harris that makes him so appealing is he doesn't have a lot of mileage. I mean, he's a guy that was used in a rotational system at Alabama with Josh Jacobs, with Najee Harris, and he's a bigger back who really is entering the NFL with sort of a fresh body because he doesn't have all that many carries under his uh, belt, which I think is going to appeal to uh, decision makers come this April. Absolutely. I mentioned on our last show that Harris has an even average 10 carries per game in any of his three seasons or four seasons rather with the Crimson Tide. So he is a guy that doesn't have much mileage. I think he has maybe 450 carries or so on his college resume. You know, a lot of backs come out with twice that. So that's pretty much a year or two of work at the NFL level that Damian Harris has not had at the college level, which is certainly an advantage heading in. Um, Obviously, we've covered some of the other offensive prospects in this game, but there are still some impact defenders on both sides who we haven't gotten to. Guys like Alabama linebacker Mac Wilson, uh, Clemson defensive back Trayvon Mullen, a pair of Isaiahs in Isaiah Bugs and Isaiah Simmons. All of these guys can go in the first two rounds. Tony, who do you like out of those guys the most? I think Mac Wilson is the most NFL ready, although it looks like and he's giving signs that he's going to return to Alabama. I think he's a three down linebacker. I think he's a guy that you can leave on the field on third and five and either blitz him or drop him back into coverage. I think he's someone who a prospect who really made big strides in his game. I also like Isaiah Bugs a lot, although he's coming off a slightly disappointing campaign. I think more was expected from him. He's someone who a prospect who when he entered the season, scouts graded him as a potential top first round pick. I think he's more second round, a second day value somewhere in the top 15 selections of round two, six, two and a half, 292 pounds, runs and plays in the low four fives, doesn't have long arms, which uh, is a problem for some teams or big hands because you want the defensive linemen to use their arms and hands to uh, protect themselves and get off blocks. Someone I would expect to see at the senior ball, but the matchup, I mentioned Raekwon Davis against Mitch Hyatt, the Isaiah Bugs Mitch Hyatt matchup is going to be a fun one to watch Monday night when they battle. I like Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback. I have him graded as a potential first-round pick if he enters the draft. I think he'll be off the board within the first 45 selections. He's a guy who really is a feisty cornerback who flashes the ability to shut down opponents, really hasn't pulled all the pieces together, but has a high upside. Isaiah Simmons is someone who really caught my eye off the 2016 film, I'm sorry, 2017 film when he was a redshirt freshman when he played free safety. They moved him up to more of an outside linebacker position this year. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He just has to develop his game. I think it would behoove him to go back and play one more year in the college field uh, and then then consider entering the draft. Now, obviously, we've covered pretty much anybody at this point or most of the players that are going to be able to – be drafted on the first or second day of the draft. But besides guys like Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, and the offensive linemen we discussed, we really haven't mentioned any of the day three possibilities. And certainly when teams like this come together, there's lots of guys that are going to be going in rounds four through seven in the draft. Anybody who stands out to you as kind of a sleeper in the late rounds? I like Clemson linebacker Kendall Joseph. He's not going to be six foot tall. He's a little bit undersized, 5'11 and a half, 225 pounds. But he's a smart, instinctive linebacker who's constantly around the action. I project him as a very late round pick who's going to be a sixth or seventh linebacker at the next level. A guy who can also play special teams. Lester Cotton, big offensive guard from uh, Alabama, someone I like in the late rounds. A wide-bodied blocker who's impossible to get around, uh, over 330 pounds, shows some power in his game. Someone, again, who I think is going to be a late-round selection and add depth to uh, an NFL uh, roster. 
And now we alluded to some of this before, but there's obviously a ton of talent in this game that we haven't even discussed and that we're not going to necessarily in depth because these guys aren't going to affect the 2019 draft. Players who aren't draft eligible, especially those quarterbacks, which kind of brings me to my next point here. Both of these teams are going to lose highly regarded prospects. These are also teams that reload rather than rebuild. They'll come back next year with guys coming up the depth charts. You know, you look at what Quinn Williams did this year going from a part-time rotational role last year to now a potential top five pick. There's going to be players like that that break out for both of these squads next year. Obviously, you have Tua Tagovailoa, who isn't eligible for the tw- until the 2020 draft. Trevor Lawrence isn't eligible until the 2021 draft. And that's if they even declare when they're first eligible. Then you have the wide receivers, guys like Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle for Alabama. You have T. Higgins over at Clemson. A couple of the guys I mentioned before, Justin Ross. Is there any way that these two teams don't meet again for next year's title? Well, you know, entering the year, I thought it was going to be impossible for Alabama to replace all what they lost on offense and what they lost in the defensive secondary. And then you come, they put Deontay Thompson back there at safety, and he, if he enters the draft, is going to be a first-round pick. They've got some sleepers at the cornerback position who are going to be top 100 selections if they enter the draft. And then they got Tuatagaloa, who just really improved on the second half of the national championship game from a year ago. So, you know, common sense would tell you, no, there's no way that they can do it. But history says you'd be a fool to bet against either of these programs, against Alabama, especially Alabama. And really, you kind of highlighted what I said about how this is not just a great scouting game for the 2019 draft, but for drafts moving forward. Because, you know, will these teams meet in future title games or next year's title game, that remains to be seen. But you know what? I don't think Tagliavoa or Lawrence are going to see the amount of, or going to be playing against the amount of NFL talent, especially in the defensive front seven, that they're going to see on Monday night. And this is going to be a game that scouts bookmark. This is going to be a, a game that scouts talk to these players about when they eventually enter the draft. You know, uh, Lawrence going up against that great Alabama defensive uh, line. Tagliavoa going against that uh, against that dominant Clemson uh, defensive front seven. I mean, this is a marking point. This can be a statement game, not only for these guys for their college career, the two quarterbacks, but moving forward when they eventually enter the draft. And it could be a, a narrative or a conversation point good or bad, that scouts look back upon. Absolutely. And, and both of these guys, I mean, Tua is the guy that everyone thinks is going to be the QB1 next year, the top guy drafted. And everyone's looking at Trevor Lawrence in the same way for the 2021 draft. So if these guys come out and they really do a good job in this game, or at least they show that they can absolutely handle the pressure, they're doing this as underclassmen, as guys that aren't even three years out of high school. Trevor Lawrence, this is his first year playing college football. So if he comes out and does to the Alabama defense what, say, Deshaun Watson did a couple years ago, that's going to say a lot because Watson had a lot more experience at that point than Lawrence does now. If these guys come out and they really show out, it's going to be very hard no matter what they do next year unless they completely fall flat on their faces. And for Lawrence, obviously, over the next two years, unless they fall flat on their faces, it's going to be really hard to deny these guys as the respective top quarterback in their particular drafts when they do come out. Yeah, and and like I said at the top, it's going to be a fun game to watch, not only because you're watching a national champion be crowned, but from a scouting perspective, you're going to glean a lot of information out of this game for April of 2019 and the years moving forward. And on that note, that's all we have here for episode number 21 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? 
If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of the other major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. Even with the actual football games in the rearview mirror, there's still plenty of reason to head over to draftanalyst.com for all your NFL draft insight, as we'll keep you up to date on all the breaking news you need to know for the draft, as well as coverage of the Shrine Game, Senior Bowl, NFL Combine, Pro Days, and much, much more. On behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Trish Tricotti. Enjoy the title game, everybody.